Welcome back to the BC Powercast. I'm your host, Black Six, and this is episode 27. Thank you all for downloading the show. I hope you enjoy it. This month, we start off with, unfortunately, another forum update, since the site is still offline. Then I talk to Gatanui and Takuma Nuva about the Hero Factory Savage Planet short movie. And then I talk to Takuma Nuva and Nuju Metru about uh, the Lego board games from uh, past and present. Talk about what we like and uh, what we'd like to see. That's uh, about it. We wrap things up with a music time with Smeeg. And uh, then we just move you on to next month. So I uh, hope you enjoy the show. Well, unfortunately, another month has gone by, and I'm still here to talk about why the forums are offline. On uh, the past month, things ha- have moved along. They're moving pretty quickly. And then, of course, they slowed down again. Uh, it seems to keep on being the case. So, um, you know, we've upgraded to uh, the latest version of the software. Uh, most of or all the forums are in place. We have a staff uh, in place to just about all of them. And uh, the big thing now is that we kind of have to uh, fix up the front page to work with uh, the new forms. Uh, they've changed some of the stuff on the back end that we used to use uh, for things like showing how many new messages you had, uh, doing recent premiere members, hot topics, uh, etc. And uh, also there's a couple things left to do to get the archive online. Now, unfortunately, our resident technical expert, Binkmeister, is the man responsible for doing most of this stuff. And uh, he has been very busy working on the Lego websites you know and love, such as HeroFactory.com, Technic, and I forget what else. Uh, I think he's doing uh, Ninjago as well. So, um, you know, obviously those things take up a lot of time. And personally, I've been uh, very busy with work. So, unfortunately, you don't have as much time as we'd like to spend on BC Power, but we are getting there. Um... I you know, still know ETA, unfortunately, and we apologize once again for this huge inconvenience, and uh, we hope that uh, we'll, we'll see you all soon. Okay, so joining me now are Gatanui and Takuma Nuva to talk about the recent uh, Hero Factory movie, their third uh, kind of direct-to-TV movie. So uh, how's it going, guys? It's going well. All right. So um, to refresh everyone's memory, what is the uh, the title of this thing? And uh, does one of you want to give a, a little brief story overview? Okay. Well, the title is Savage Planet. It's about the story of um, a civilian doctor called Alder Switch who sent distress call. Yeah, he's stranded on a paradise planet called Quatrus. Yeah, the heroes go out to rescue him. Actually, Rocker, a new rookie, gets out to rescue him. But, yeah, then he's surprised by the animal creatures and by the strange vegetation of the planet. And a transformed witch doctor who is apparently, well, destroying the... and stealing the planet's resources of Quasa, which is the power source of all heroes. Yeah, so... The other heroes then go to Quatrus to save Rocker and also to stop Witch Doctor from destroying the plant because he's yeah he's removing the Quasa from the planet's core, which it, so the planet core is now becoming unstable 
and causing the, uh, causing the planet to break apart. Yeah. So yeah, it's basically about the heroes fighting off the animal creatures that attack them and trying to stop the witch doctor. Yeah, right. obviously they succeed in the end. Uh, and of course, you know this is all tied in with the uh, Hero Factory 3.0, where the sets are all animal themed. All right. So, uh, any any kind of uh, pros or cons relating to the story? Anything you really liked about it? How about you, Takuma? Uh, the story, um, it wasn't overly complex, but then you know it's not exactly meant to be, especially for the sort of age group it's directed at. But it. I mean, it worked. Right. Got Nui, anything uh, liked or disliked about it? Well, uh, it's not as complex as the Bionicle story, of course, but uh, we liked the story too. There were a few aspects we disliked a bit about the story. Well, first of all, the transformation of Rocker XL. It, it was a bit weird. You know, we were expecting to see Rocker getting upgraded inside Hero Factory, but uh, the transformation was very odd. The heroes found some hero parts lying around somewhere in uh, on Quattros and used these few pieces to build up Rocket XL. That was a little bit weird, but, well, it wasn't that bad either. Of course, the boss battle against Witch Doctor was uh, sort of, well, like in the first series, you know, the 1.0 series where, um, well, Von Nebula got beaten quite easily as well. It was uh, similar in uh, Savage Planet as well. Um, well, what else is there to talk about this in the story? Okay, something that surprised me is that uh, the animals were individuals in the movie. Because, uh, you know, from the promotions we saw on HeroFactory.lego.com, uh, we were expecting the heroes to fight actual hordes of animals. But uh, in the movie, we were confronted with single individuals who had been infected by Witch Doctor. It was quite yeah. surprising. Okay, but we're at least the fangs were not individuals. They were some sort of personal bodyguard for Witch Doctor. And you, could, you were most of the time seeing at least three of them at once. Which, yeah, it's at least something. Yeah, that's something that kind of took me by surprise. The I was expecting the animals uh, that are portrayed as the sets to be, yeah, just any old animal, and there would be like multiples of them on the planet. But they're actually like individual characters in the movie, and they actually talk. So yeah, I wasn't exactly. expecting that. Yeah, me neither. Right, especially since if you're used to Bonacle, you know, all the way back in like 2001 and stuff when you have the Rahi, which were just kind of like, you know, hordes of, of animals infected by Makuta. Yeah, exactly. Which is actually kind of the same thing because they are more or less being mind controlled. <laughs> you can talk about uh, any similarities like that a little later. So um, another big uh, point of a, a show like this is the character animation. So... Uh, Takuma, you want to talk a little bit about how, how you found that and um, you know how accurate or similar the, the animation was to the actual sets? Uh, the animation, I thought, was done well. I mean, there, it's fairly accurate to the sets, which cannot be said as much for the at least the first three Bionicle movies where they didn't look a lot like the sets at all. 
I do feel that one drawback of that, though, is that when they're so similar to the sets, which have seemingly sort of shorter arms and legs, it looks kind of funny when they're running or moving around or jumping and stuff. But it, I thought I liked it. Right, when yeah, the proportions but- are, are off, it kind of really, really shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, mostly the hands are way too large. For yeah, they are also larger than the figures themselves because they are still using the four-finger hands instead of five-finger hands for the even for the two-point-zero and three-point-zero heroes. Yeah, and then another thing that struck me was that um, Rocka's helmet. Yeah, you know his his eyes are inside the mouth, as I said, but on the movie his eyes were on the helmet. Which oh, I yeah. think it looks better than it does as a set because yeah, it's kind of strange to have eyes in the helmet and eyes inside a head. So I think they came up with a good solution to that. Yeah, I remember noticing that one. That's one thing I wish that uh, was on the set that was like in the yeah. movie. It's just the fact that his eyes are actually in the eye sockets, if you want to call it that. Right, and I think that helps at the scale of him because his helmet was was rather on the large side. Having the eyes like all the way down in the mouth kind of kind of mess with the the sense of scale in your head. Yeah. All right. How about the uh, the voice acting? Gatnui, what did you think of of that? Well, first of all, there was no Kina scream, which was a good aspect. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, well, I think the voice acting was quite good. We had very good voice actors covering. Uh, well, the hero's voice and also the bad guy's voices, uh, very popular voice actors, as a matter of fact, although I don't know uh, the specific names right now. And, well, for as far as, well, then we have a little surprise, which we already mentioned, the, namely the animals having voices, voice actors as well. Well, and yes, I think that's pretty much it. I think they did a nice job. Yeah, and also to note, um, there's, um, let's say, a very popular AFIL forum where I often ve- where I've read many complaints of people's, yeah, also in the power, people complaining about the accent of, uh, of some char- characters, especially Max or Stringabout. I, I like the fact that there are so many different accents in the movie. It gives them somehow some personality. So they don't have all the same... Yeah, the same American accent or whatever, but we also get to see some other kinds of talking. And I think it's pretty good. All right, how about you, Takuma? The voice acting is actually where I felt the movie kind of fell flat for me. It It wasn't all bad, and it definitely depended a little bit on the character. But there were times when I definitely felt it was lacking, like... Towards the end, you know, the planet's oh, it's falling apart and everything. I didn't feel that urgency coming from their voices. It was, it just sort of felt like they were sitting in a room, looking outside, going, "Oh, the world's ending," and they went back to playing chess. <laughs> well, it just didn't. I didn't feel that urgency. Okay, then again, maybe that's because more because of the dialogues and not because of the voice acting. You know, what I kind of missed is, uh, yeah, Zip has changed in this last episode in this in the previous episodes he was more well mm, i don't know how to put this uh, maybe boring some people might find uh, it was boring in previous episodes but i liked his character in the previous episodes and i think they have made it uh, well a change that 
was maybe too drastic from the previous episodes to the newest episode. Yeah, they should really, and um, they also should really use the other voice actor, Sid, not the one from the movies we have heard so far, but you know the one from Hero Factory FM and all the promotion movies, because that's a really good voice actor, and I think he would have been really great for Sid. All right, and we talked about how the fact that um, the the creatures actually talk. How did that come out? Was it did it seem tacky at all, or did they do it fairly well? Well, um, Roger, okay, speak you first. I'm kind of on the fence about it. They weren't bad, but they didn't seem that good to me. The one fly, what is it called, Waspix? Mm-hmm. Her voice came out, and I was just like, "Whoa!" That one I didn't. That one I didn't <laughs> yeah, care so, for so much. Funny it it, yeah, it sounded. Yeah, I think also I think Roger's also very strange somehow. I would have, I wouldn't have pictured him that way. And perhaps it's just me, but he just seemed where his voice didn't really fit so well to his his bulky. I, th- huh? I think that you know it's not necessarily that the voice itself was bad, but for a savage planet, the voices didn't sound very savage. Like <laughs> I think I think they could have done for maybe a few of them going a little more deeper or growly sounding. Yeah, exactly. I would have expected Roger to sound somehow growly or something, but he didn't at all. That was that was something surprising. Yeah, and Waspix, well, I didn't know Waspix was female, but besides that, yeah, not much that struck me there. I don't I think, think it was ever mentioned that, that she was a female character. No, I don't think I don't think either. So that kind of came as a surprise. Well, but it's well, it's some variety. Uh, actually, on the Hero Factory bias, I think it states that Waspix is a group uh, animal, so it's not actually an individual, but in the movie, Waspix was pictured as an individual. So, gotcha. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. We, I guess that I makes sense. So, so, like, you know, in the on Wait. the website and stuff, it talks how there's, you know, a, a group, more many Waspix. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm just checking it out here, and it says... Waspix are semi-intelligent, and they speak quickly with a buzzing, hissing accent. So the oh, one in the movie oh, just happened oh, to be a female yeah, one. But they also tend to be solitary creatures, preferring to dash around the tree tops of the nature preserve from planet quarters. So, yeah, it doesn't really contradict too much. It's, they are kind of loners, so, yeah, that explains it. All right, that sounds, sounds interesting. Um, so in addition to the voice acting... Uh, do you have any comments on the sound effects? You know, the, it's a jungle planet, so I assume there's a, a lot of uh, kind of ambient noise and stuff going on. Any any comments on that, Takuma? Um, sound design, uh, as far as the jungle sounds, I actually don't remember. <laughs> um, my only guess then could be that it wasn't so bad or so good that I really noticed it. It was just, you know, in the middle somewhere. Not necessarily yeah, meaning it's bad, but I don't remember too many jungle sounds either. So, but if there were no uh, jungle sounds, you'd have probably noticed that because usually the like the probably. absence of of ambient sound of any kind really stands out when well, you're expecting yeah, I remember, it. Uh, one of the intermesos when, uh, you know, the screen goes black and then there's the announce part and then the uh, well, they start again showing 
how everything is developing. And I remember there was uh, one nice part where we saw some uh, birds from quadros flying around. And I think there were some jungle sounds in this particular part. But apart from that, I don't remember too many jungle sounds, really. But It's probably uh, one of those. Sorry. No, no, just continue. Oh, I was just going to say, it's probably just one of those things where if they did their job right, that's probably you don't even notice it. Yeah, I suppose uh, the kids don't pay too much attention to the background sounds anyway. So, But uh, what I really liked, uh, speaking of jungle, uh, I really liked how they designed the background in which everything takes place. I think they really did a nice work there. Um, now that we're talking about, you know, background sounds, uh, maybe uh, background images, you know? Just the, kind of like the scenery that was going on? Yeah. So so how how was that, the whole... How did the uh, Paradise Planet or the Savage Planet uh, look like on, on the screen compared to, I guess, any other things that we've seen in the promotional material? material? Well, compared to the promotional material, it wasn't a slash and wasn't such um, such an intense screen as you can see on the canister pictures. It was kind of more, uh, yeah, it was more bluish, but well, it see, still seemed like a jungle. Well, sort of. It was, yeah, I still like the background of, although it wasn't as colorful and well, it's. As full as in the canister, yeah. But I guess that would have been too expensive to animate. Yeah, the the more like trees and stuff you add, you know, the the more time it's going to take. What about you, Takuma? Any comments on any any of that? Um, yeah. I mean, as far as the setting, it, I thought it looked nice. You know, it it did look somewhat like a savage planet, although I wouldn't have minded seeing more of like they're talking about the planet starting to fall apart. You never really see that visually only for like the zoomed out shots or something like that i wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of that along the way actually like down from eye level if you want to call it that mm-hmm. but i thought the setting was nice it looked savage to me all right uh and so how about the uh the music to us uh, to set the mood how did how good of a job did that do got any what were your thoughts on the music well uh i think there was a bit more a more musical variety than in uh, the previous series. Although, of course, you have this uh, classical music uh, playing all the time, uh, just with this, with some small variations in well, altitude and so on. But uh, there were some parts which were well, which added to the ambient. Takuma, what were your thoughts on the music? Um, no, I, I think just, it was, sorry. I, I'd go ahead. I wasn't going to say anything. No, it just was, I was just going to say that uh, I found the music dif- uh, better than the music from uh, The Legend Reborn. But uh, I don't know what you think on that matter, but, um, you know, in The Legend Reborn, we had the same music playing constantly, uh, only in different uh, altitudes, but uh, I think in Savage Planet we had different themes from time to time. Maybe I'm just uh, mixing things up, but uh, 
Yeah. Well, I do remember more than one musical theme in The Legend Reborn. There was the main theme, there was also the one Tizara and... Um, yeah, there were actually two Tizara, but... Well, we're talking about Savage Blade now, so I think it's not too important now. Yeah, I can't really say anything about the music. That could be because of the fact that while I was watching, I had to keep pausing it and do something else. So that might have thrown off the flow, if you want to call it that for me. But I don't remember thinking anything necessarily too good or too bad. All right. So so not very memorable, but uh, not horrible, at least. No. So finally, you know, throughout this whole thing, we've been um, kind of, you know, making some comparisons here and there to uh, some of the Bionicle movies. Um, how does this compare, first off, to the previous two Hero Factory movies? And after that, we'll address some of the comparisons to the Bionicle movies as well. So, Gatnui, I know you're, I think, the only one of us who saw the second Hero Factory one. So how did it compare to that? Um, hard to say. To the second series of Hero Factory now. Yeah. The Ordeal of Pirate, the fifth episode. Actually, you can't really consider it too much of a movie, as it was only 20 minutes. But, yeah. Well, okay, compared to Ordeal 5, it was not as fast-paced. You know, Ordeal 5 was really rushed. I think it was planned to be longer, and they had to cut some... Um, they had to cut a lot, so they would make, finish it in time. So the Ordeal of Fire story was very rushed, although I we still enjoyed it a lot, yep. particularly the first half of the movie. I think the first half was uh, very good all in all. I think it's the best we've seen of Hero Factory series so far. Maybe even better than uh, sorry Savage Planet as a whole. But, um, well, all in all... What do we mm. Well, and compared to Zatch Planet, Zatch Planet wasn't really rushed at all. In fact, we thought the fight seats were somehow too boring. Yeah, they sounded tedious, especially the scene against Scorpio and Waspix was really long. So, yeah, this wasn't as fast paced as well. It was twice as long, but um, it, it had as much story, so. It's actually difficult, kind of difficult to compare my opinion. Then again, we, in uh, Audio Fire, many people complained that we did not get enough background information about uh, Fire Lord and his minions. You know, how uh, the transformation to these bad guys took place. And I think we got more background information as far as uh, Witch Doctor's transformation is concerned. So. I think they uh, sort of learned from their past mistakes with this new movie. Yeah, we didn't get to see all the switch, although it doesn't look too special. It's just um, a normal Hero Factory employee, but it's still. So here we've got a flashback, which was cut out of audio fire or never supposed to be included, we don't know. So I guess that's pro. That makes the story at least a bit deeper and yeah. All right, and uh, so how, uh, Takumanuva, how do you think it would compare to the first uh, Hero Factory, uh, Rise of the Rookies? Um, I'd have to say this one, the new one was probably a little better. 
but then uh, that's sort of I'm sort of going from a story standpoint. Whereas Rise of the Rookies, it was kind of like you know, it was more like episodes. So it was just like little bits and pieces of story. So they didn't really flow as nicely if you wanted to watch it all as one sort of movie. Yeah, right. But yeah, go on. It was kind of. I do feel like I was missing something since I didn't see the uh, ordeal of fire part at all. Because you know, in Rise of the Rookies, uh, Ferno is sort of you know he's a rookie he's just starting out and then it's like then i watch savage planet and he seems a lot more experienced so i guess i'm more so hmm. i'd have to say overall savage planet was probably better i enjoyed watching it more than rise of the rookie anyways with the sheer exception that i liked having mark hamill voice von ness in rise of the rookies yeah, that was uh, pretty pretty cool to have such a high-profile voice actor there. Uh, Got Nui, any any comparisons between the two, the first and the third? Um, well, as the Kimonuva already said, in the first part of you know, Rise of the Rookies, it was a kind of loose. We had four episodes, which, well, well, as I as the Kimonuva already said, the story was quite loose. We didn't have a really uh, well joining nexus between the four episodes or at least it didn't seem like that at the beginning yeah it, it felt more um, like what it was actually promoted to be it's always, um, it's always promoted as a hero factory TV series so the first four episodes could really feel like that and you can't really say that ordeal of fire and savage bank feel like episodes of a series but they did achieve that with um, Rise of the Rookies, in my opinion. Now that Takuma Nuva mentioned uh, Ferno in the first movie and in the third movie, I think uh, something I really liked about the third movie, so about Savage Plants, was uh, the fact that Rocker and Ferno were rivals. I think uh, many people expected this from the beginning, and I really liked it because, uh, well, in the first two movies, Ferno is the hero. Ferno is the newcomer rookie uh, who, well, who is liked by everybody. And in the third episode, he's not the only one. He's not the only rookie. There is somebody who uh, has similar qualities as Ferno, who is as ambitious as Ferno. And it's quite funny to see how Ferno reacts uh, to the fact of having a rival on his side. Maybe that's something I should have mentioned, uh, I, well, which was worth mentioning. All right, definitely, definitely. So now getting into kind of uh, the, the real comparison, how did it compare to the Bionicle movies? Takuma, what were some of your, some th- things you thought, you know, in, based on uh, your experiences with both uh, both Bonacle and Hero Factory now? Well, kind of stuff that's been mentioned in, to some degree already. You know, I like the fact that the animation was closer to the actual sets, even though it did seem a trade-off, was that the animation seemed a bit odd at times. Kind of wish there was a middle ground. But, um, you know, the story is obviously a lot simpler, which isn't necessarily a pro. Um... 
it'd be hard to say which is better than the other overall. I would be leaning towards Bionicle just because, I mean, it's Bionicle. But, hmm, it's just hard to compare them. Yeah, it's, I think you're right about that. It's hard to compare them because they are, you know, they're really different. Uh, actually, Hero, the Hero Factory series kind of reminds me of Clone Wars. I don't know if you it will, uh, well, if you think the same, but it really reminded me of all episodes so far, particularly the first ones, have reminded me of Clone Wars. I don't know. There's a certain feel to them, which makes me think of this other series. And, well, all in all, compared to Bionicle, uh, I don't think we can really say one is better and one is worse. My favorite movie, if I had to select from the Bionicle movies and the Hero Factory movies or episodes, uh, my favorite would be Legends of Metronui because, well, first of all, the animations were better than in the first Bionicle movie. Of course, the animations for The Legend Reborn and Hero Factory were even better than for Legend of Met- Legends of Metronui. But uh, the story, I really like the story of Legends of Metronui. I think it was the, uh, yeah, it was the movie with the best, um, I don't know, maybe with the best sans- uh, suspense bow. No, we had some very um, interesting suspense points in Legend of Legends of Metronui, and I think there was also some more depth, and I also like the atmosphere of Legends of Metronui, you know, the mysterious atmosphere in the city, and, well, all the things going on uh, in, well, mystery, and so on. All right. But uh, it's really hard to compare Bionicle and the Hero Factory episodes. Yeah, I mean, I would hands down say that I would much sooner rewatch bio- any of the Bionicle movies before the Hero Factory movies. But that's not necessarily to say that they are better. I mean, for all I know, it's just, you know, the nostalgia, you know. I mean, we're all here because of Bionicle. Yeah, sure. Right, definitely. That's always something uh, important to, to consider. So overall, would you guys recommend uh, that people watch this? Did you enjoy it enough? Thumbs up, thumbs down? I would have to say it kind of depends on whether or not you're into Hero Factory. You know, I'm not going necessarily off of the fact that, you know, some people absolutely hate it, some people absolutely love it. It's just, you know, I think the more you like Hero Factory, the more likely you will be able to enjoy the movie. Um, But, you know, if I was going to say to, like, somebody who doesn't know anything about Hero Factory, I would have to go, no, they probably wouldn't enjoy it if you're not already into the source material. All right, fair enough. Got to know you. What about you guys? What do you think? Well, mm, I think you're certainly not going to die from watching it. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, well, hard to say. I think if you like a series like Clone Wars uh, with many battles going on, then you might also enjoy watching Hero Factory um, maybe some Bionicle fans will also like watching Hero Factory because um, there are some similarities with Bionicle and, well, it's the series to follow 
Bionicle. Bionicle lives on in Hero Factory in a way. And well, apart from that, mm, yeah. Yeah, you also have to take into consideration, of course, that the target audience is another than, yeah, we are not inside the target audience, so we are not supposed to like it. So I think if you are, yeah, our, well, our age, that means, yeah, 17 above and up, then I would say if, if you like your factory, then watch it. Well, it's, it's half an hour. You, yeah, you want, as my brother said, you won't die from watching it. If you don't like your factory, you probably have better things to do. But if you do like your factory, it, mm, then you should watch it. I would recommend it. All right. If sounds good. Free time. All right. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming on and talking about it. Hopefully uh, some of our Hero Factory fans who might have not seen it yet will uh, be able to go out and give it a watch now that they uh, know a little bit more about it. Uh, any closing thoughts? Bring Mark Hamill back. Well, I think we pretty much covered everything. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you. So, with me now are Takuma Nuva and Nuju Metru to talk about the history of LEGO board games. How's it going, guys? What's up? Oh, it's going. All right, so, uh, you know, LEGO started making board games uh, a while back, um, late 90s, early 2000s or so. Before my time. <laughs> <laughs> You're youngin'. So, yeah. um Takuma, I believe you've played a couple of those old ones back in the day. So which ones were those and what were your thoughts on them? Uh, Lego Creator is the only one I actually own. Uh, that one was, it was kind of like a big, sort of almost like a Monopoly board in that it had the squares along the edge. But instead of dealing with properties and stuff, you had a bunch of bricks in the middle. And each player would have a card with sort of a small lego creation depicted on it and you had to go around the board collecting the pieces you had to be the first person to build yours okay and uh any others that you've played uh the other one i've played is one my cousin actually owns the quest for makuta board game right back from the uh, early days of bonicle yes the o1 stuff and that one i remember playing a few times but it was only just me and him so it the games didn't last too long. It almost seemed like it went too quick, like it was too easy, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Although it definitely had, uh, I don't know if you would call it strategy or tactics, but it had a little more depth to it. Like you had like almost a slightly RPG style, you might say. Like you had RPGs. your Toa and you uh, went around the board and you would actually collect masks and like Terega tokens and essentially what you were trying to do is find keys to unlock what I'm assuming is the Kini Nui or however you pronounce that, so that you could defeat Makuta. In a game of Koli. Oh, wait, no, that was Mask of Light. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I actually recently played one of the older games, uh, the Lego Racers game. Uh, where the the objective was you you build a track that has um, power ups and such and then there's a little and then you get to actually build your racer mm -hmm. and then you race it around the track and you know there's uh 
you there's a spinner that you use to figure out how it moves and like if you hit a turbo you get to go again or there's like oil slicks and like pit stops things like that sounds cool lots of racing vernacular but i think that could be fun yeah it wasn't bad and i mean like like anything with lego you can always um kind of have some fun by by doing things your way and just um you know when i played it we kind of uh bent the rules a little and and had some fun um i was actually playing it with uh mix meeg and it's fun if you're following the rules right so (laughs) i mean i I had like this souped up motorcycle and then he had like this stretch limousine race car that took up like five spaces on the board (laughs) (laughs) i still won though (laughs) so take that imagine that a motorcycle being a beating a limo (laughs) stuff happens in games yeah, I mean, when he tried to take those hairpin turns, the, the limo just kind of fell apart. It didn't, didn't work that well. <laughs> but um, so most of those original games were made by a company called Rosart, which uh, was bought by Mega Brands, who owns Ooh. Mega Blocks. Yes. Yes. <gasps> Ooh, gas. So, so for some reason, you know, after that happened, they, Lego stopped licensing their brand to Rosart. Uh, I don't know why. It makes no sense. Yeah. Beyond the imagination. Yeah. But then uh, fast forward to 2009 when Lego decided to try this again. And they actually hired some uh, board game designers who you know, had done this stuff professionally. And they started the Lego game series, which was originally available in uh, Europe and then came to the United States last year in 2010. So there's yeah. a, a lot of different games um, in this series already. It's... You know, we were looking at the list. It was actually kind of amazing. Homepage, and there is a ridiculous number of games here. So, you guys want to highlight some of the ones that you're looking at that uh, interest that seem interesting? Yeah. Well, uh, disclaimer to our audience: I have actually not played any of these new Lego games, despite my desire to do so. So, what I'm saying may or may not be true to the game. I'm just making observations here. Um, well. What I really like about these new games from what I see is that they all do revolve around the central concept of Lego as a toy brand being you can take things apart and build them around in different ways and uh, bend the game by building it differently, which is a really cool concept that I don't think has been tapped by anyone really before. Right, because unlike in those original Rosart games that had like a a cardboard board that you played on you know these are entirely lego I mean, all the parts are lego so every you know you can build it however you want there's a lot more incentive to buy these games because if you get sick of the game you can either change it up or to steal all of the awesome parts which is mostly why i've been looking at the game right yeah some of them do have some pretty pretty great parts for yeah. sure i want to so, see a mock using the dies <laughs> yes that would be really cool because the dice are uh, the new the new dice element. The six sided rubber edged uh, piece is kind of unique and customizable. But I can't see many applications. So a challenge out there to all of you: someone build something with that dice and amaze us all. Right, so, so have any of the uh, the games you've looked at really caught your eye? Want to give some examples? Yes. Um. Well, uh, aside from being a Bionicle nerd, I'm also a big-time fantasy buff, and s- therefore the uh, Heroica games caught my eye when I heard about them. They're kind of like a medieval fantasy adventure game kind of, th- kind of concept. Uh, 
you have a little mini or micro fig, I guess it would be, and you move around these uh, fantastical environments battling trolls and golems and werewolves and evil druids and things like that by using, uh, by picking up items on the board game and things like that. Uh, I went on the LEGO website and watched some of the tutorial videos on how to play these different games, and they were, I was surprised by how, uh, legitimate and complex the rules were compared to some of the other lego games i had heard of yeah they yeah. definitely seem like they have a lot more strategy yeah. and kind of role-playing elements than the other yeah. ones yes yeah i definitely like the idea of having different classes that's that in particular is what interests me about it agreed yeah there's like uh, five different kinds of micro figs you can be each like a like druid or uh, barbarian or thief or whatever and each one has a special ability uh, on the game board which is a neat concept to bring into the games all right what about you too kuma anything that's uh, particularly caught your eye i actually have played uh creationary which is you know i mean you can kind of tell by the title it's like a lego version of pictionary you're just building stuff instead of you know, drawing it on a board. And that actually can be kind of fun, especially when nobody can guess what you made. And then you <laughs> hear what they were supposed to be trying to make. And oftentimes the result is just hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I played that one at uh, a Brick Fair, or actually, I guess it was after Brick Fair, technically. And uh, we had uh, some fun with that. Um, huh. You know, it's interesting when you're playing with some people who make a lot of mocks and then some people who yes. don't really make mocks. <laughs> I, I was about to say. You can see, you can see the difference. In, uh, the advantage of us Lego builders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely an advantage. But it's cool because uh, from what I remember, there's, you know, different, um, different like, ch challenge levels. So you can pick an easy card or a medium or a hard one, depending cool. on how much of a challenge you want to build. Uh-huh. So, and then uh, there's a, a whole range of pieces uh, a lot of, you know, it's they're all fairly basic, but it's a it's a nice parts pack if uh, you're looking for something like that as well. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, I also played the the Lava Dragon game, which I actually wasn't uh, too impressed with. I think it would be better. I only played it with uh, myself and one other person. That was I, one of their first games. So. Yeah, I, I think with more people, it could be it could be more fun. But uh -huh. it was it was really pretty basic and went really fast when when I played. How did that one work? Uh, so it's basically you build a volcano that has this dragon on the top and you roll the die. Um, and if there, you keep the die like mostly blank to begin with. And if there's an empty spot on the die when you roll it, you get to put a uh, tile of your color on it and then you get to move your character. And then, you know, as you keep playing, the die fills up. So, you know, eventually you're going to roll the die and there's going to be like, you know, three different colors on it. So three people get to move and you're trying to race around the volcano to get to the top to uh to conquer the dragon oh that's cool and there's there's some okay. other you know different um gameplay mechanics there's lava blocks that you can use to block the paths of your opponents and uh some things like that uh-huh i definitely like the idea that uh the die actually becomes part of the gameplay as opposed to you know just rolling it right yeah as opposed to just uh -huh. having you know six sides one through six you know, in a lot of cases you can put different elements on it to affect the gameplay. So it makes the game different every time, right? Yeah, so there's actually a yes. reason to build it. Exactly. Uh, the buildable die has definitely had a huge effect on making the Lego games uh, unique and uh, not not just Lego, but, you know, unique kind of games. Right, and yeah, it kind of makes them, you know, legitimate 
games that are that are like you said unique and something different, right? I mean, yeah. the older Rosart board games, they were just you know you're, you're kind of run of the mill board game that just happened to have some Lego elements. Yes, but, yeah, it was uh, like a Lego themed regular board game. Right. Yes. Whereas now you have Lego board games of different themes. Like uh, we have the Harry Potter one, and uh, there's a Ninjago. Ninjago and Atlantis board games, which look pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a, a wide variety uh, for for a lot of different age groups, right? There's some that you know go down to as young as five years old, and mm-hmm. I think the the oldest ones are are eight and up. So it's a it's a good good selection, and especially yeah. with like the Heroica, you know, that's uh, definitely can be. Very yes. much targeted at uh, older older kids. I would definitely love to play the Heroica games with somebody. They look awesome. Oh, yeah. I find it fascinating that all but one of the Heroica games are listed as eight and up. One is seven and up. That's huh. the, like the the starter pack. That's you know. the starter. Yes, oh, okay. One. I gotcha. Got to hook the kids in when they're young. Got to get them started on the AVS. Apparently, it takes a whole year to hook them. <laughs> Takes yeah. a year to master the game until you're ready for the uh, the second the other ones. The or DLC. you can hook them with Wild Wool at age five. <laughs> yeah. They go earlier every every time. Yeah, next next year there's going to be a, you know like a Duplo one. <laughs> uh, whatever oh, happened yeah. to Duplo anyway? It still exists. Yeah, it still okay. exists. Duplo. I want to see the Duplo die though. <laughs> that thing be massive. <laughs> the size of a soccer ball. <laughs> yes. That'd be pretty cool. Uh-huh. I can see big kids playing with that game. Everything in the house gets smashed just by rolling <laughs> Maybe that's why there aren't Duplo games. <laughs> yeah, may, may, yeah, it did not go well on the playtesting. We don't even want to get into Primo. <laughs> <laughs> you know those uh, giant you know, rubber balls you can actually go inside and roll around? Yeah, that's the Primo yes. guy. There you go. Uh-huh. So, Aaron, you may not have actually uh, played any of these games, but you have uh, made a uh, game out of Lego bricks yourself. So well, do you want to uh, talk about yeah. that a little, maybe? A funny story, I've actually made two Lego uh, games in my time, the first of which was a Bionicle game. It was like, uh, this actually was, uh, I, I feel so, like such an original person, but I actually made it before the uh, Claytorian battle game. I, just, I, I think it was like 2008, 2009, uh, roughly. I was designing design this game. It's sort of like a, armies bionicle armies fighting and uh, how it worked was you had uh you you had a you had a squad of uh bionicle figures which was could, could be made out of any figures you owned each different kind of figure had uh was like a, its own class and had certain powers certain projectile abilities things like that and it was a uh, kind of a big scale play it anywhere game you know you didn't need a board because it's obviously like a, a qu- across the room kind of thing it was very complicated, about uh, six pages of rules. I wrote it up. I published it on BZ Power a couple of years ago, uh, things like that. But uh, a, another uh, just system-based game that I designed uh, was sort of like a combination of Risk and Chess. And uh, it wasn't originally designed for Lego. It was actually uh, built. Uh, my brother and I thought this up when we were... Uh, in France one summer, and we uh, proceeded to build it in wood and paint when we got home. This is a big, uh, like, three-board, world domination, uh, dice rolling, armies battling. It's a big, epic-scale game. Uh, 
which was really cool. But what I decided or tried to decide to do before uh, this past brick fair was to make that game in Lego for the uh, sake of having a travel copy and because I wanted to play it with all the awesome people there. Uh, never got built because I had to steal all, a lot of the specialized pieces for my, uh, my mocks for the convention, but still uh, an idea and still possible for next year. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun, I think, um, to, to play that. I know at Brick Fair, they actually have tables with uh, games set up, you know, the actual uh, official Lego games that are kind of like free play, which yeah. uh, seems seems pretty interesting. I've I've never gotten a chance to uh, to go sit down because I'm always so busy that weekend, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to do that weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's not on stop. Exactly. All right. Uh, anything, any other comments, any other games that seem interesting or ideas that you think Lego should uh, make use of for a game? They should make a Hero Factory game. I was about yeah. to say the same thing. We haven't seen any Hero Factory game yet. Crazy, right? I mean, Bionicle had the minifigure versions of the action figures, if you want to call them that. I forget what the technical yeah. term is. Construction <laughs> figures? Is that yeah, what construction. Okay. I'm surprised we don't have that of Hero Factory for a board game. I, <laughs> I think that's probably because those uh, system sets for Bionicle didn't sell very well. <laughs> True enough. But still, I, I think like, I think they could like uh, find a way to turn it into a board game that would work. I'd like to see that. Any anything else that uh, you think Lego is missing out on the market for? You know, for how many hundreds of thousands of Monopoly games there are, I'm surprised there isn't a Lego one. Or am I just missing it? No, Maybe I don't think like I've heard of one, but that's certainly something could do. I mean, instead of buying, you know, a house or a or whatever, you can just build. You get to build one, things like that. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, Lego has made some uh, versions of classic games like chess, but I have not yet seen a Lego checkers. Uh, I, or, no, I don't think I've ever seen checkers. I've seen like Lego tic tac toe. I mean, not badminton, not backgammon. <laughs> badminton, Lego badminton. Brackets. I can imagine how well the ball the ball would bounce. Yeah. yeah. Well, you'd have to use one like the one of the rubbery die, so it exactly. bounces well. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Still, I imagine that unless you're using like glue or something, the rackets wouldn't hold too long. <laughs> ah, that's what you just, just gotta you gotta design it well with uh, technic technic. That could be part of the stuff. challenge is when your badminton or when your uh, yeah. rack just smashes to pieces, go everywhere. You gotta rebuild it fast enough <laughs> <laughs> before the ball comes over the net. Just rebuild exactly. your rackets. Exactly. Uh huh. That would be fun. But yeah, uh, some of the Lego chess uh, things they've come out with have been are pretty cool. Some of the, uh, there's like a castle one. And, My favorite one was the castle one. That yeah. gigantic $200 chess set with the elevated board and the specialty figures. And oh my God, it was right. fantastic. Yeah, it was very impressive. It should have come up with uh, a Star Wars board game. I mean, Star yeah. Wars is already a huge theme. You'd think that's kind I of know. an untapped market. And Lord knows they can price a lot for them too. So I think yeah. that's they might as well capitalize on that. Precisely. So uh, maybe next year we'll get to, to play some. And uh, you know, hopefully at Brick Fair I'll see you there again, Aaron. And maybe Takuma, you'll be able to make it. And uh, Here's hoping. Yeah, next, you know, in a year from now we can be talking about actually playing LEGO board games together. Sounds good. All right, well, thanks for coming on, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, my and pleasure. And I'll talk to you next time. Sweet. Bye. And so another month of the PowerCast comes to a close. Once again, I hope you all enjoyed the show, and I hope you all come back next month. 
If you have any feedback, you can send it to powercast at bzpower.com. I'd love to hear from everyone and see what they think. Hopefully, before the next show, I'll be talking to you all back on the BZ Power forums. And until then, we have the latest music piece by McSmeag. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks again, and talk to you all next month. Bye, guys.
I forgot what we're doing now. <laughs> Focus, come on. You got we're this. talking about ponies. Oh, there we go. Okay, so Fluttershy is best pony. <laughs> <laughs> and Q I, is I now... Like I like rainbow eight. sparkles myself. I don't even know if that's a real pony, but it sounds like one. No, it's Rainbow Dash. Rainbow Duh. Dash, yeah. I'm sorry. And you know the Q character from Star Trek is now in the show, right? Or was until he was defeated. John Delancey? Yeah. He played the oh. new villain who actually acts like Q. <laughs> the white flashes, the zipping around, or whatever you want to call it. Of course he would. Talk about being typecast. <laughs>